Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, AJ Black, bringing you your latest installment of BCI Radio. Pardon the BC interruption. We're here to talk today about the fallout from the UMass victory and uh, look ahead to Virginia Tech. We have some special guest lines up today. Later on in the show, we're going to have Roy Hatfield, um, managing editor of GobblerCountry.com, SB Nation's Virginia Tech blog. He'll be joining us in about 10 minutes. And as always, I have my special guest host, Eric Hostas. How you doing, Eric? I feel like a million bucks. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm ready to talk some BC sports. I've got a good chance to digest the last couple of days. Um, it feels pretty good. Um, look back at Saturday's game. UMass, BC fell behind quickly 7 nothing on what appeared to me to be a uh, broken coverage play where um, I, I believe a sec, uh, someone in the secondary fell. Um, and then the offense seemed to struggle. Eric, what did you think the offense – what was going on with the offense that made it so slow to um, really connect in that game on Saturday? Um, I think early on UMass was loading up on the run like they should have and was basically challenging BC uh, to throw the ball and – um, it took the BC staff, I think, a little while to, um, you know, incorporate more passing into the offense, start passing more on first down. And once they started doing that, uh, things clicked uh, a lot better um, for the BC offense, I thought. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, the thing that floors me, I was, I got, re- you know, I'm, I'm very reactionary with BC football. And I was watching that game, and the – thing that kept going through my head was Adazio saying that he wanted to be more balanced on passing and run. And it seems like it, I don't get that sense right now. I still feel like this offense is still run heavy, that it's run first on everything, and that he hasn't really committed to allowing Patrick Tolles to throw the ball, even when he has options out there that clearly he can exploit. What, what do you think is Adazio's yeah. Why do you think Adazio is so hesitant to throw the ball more when he has a quarterback that can throw it? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I just think Adazio is what he is. You know, he likes to pound that rock and uh, be tough up front and pound the ball, and uh, that's kind of his M.O., but uh, you're right. Um, you know, he, he has been talking there. They're trying to be more balanced and. I thought they were a little more balanced in the UMass game, but I hardly call this a more balanced offense. Um, you know, the passing game did look pretty good against UMass, um, but at the end of the day, you know, you look at the stat sheet, and BC is still through for under 200 yards, and 200 yards isn't even isn't exactly like a great milestone for a passing game nowadays in college football. That's like, um, you know, almost below average. But to, uh, to your point, um, I, I think Tolls has the tools to to uh, 
have a good passing passing attack for BC. I think he's got some receivers out there, and Tolles is the quarterback man. Um, you know, say what you want, he he doesn't have great touch all the time, and maybe he makes some tough decisions sometimes. But this this guy is a pretty darn good quarterback, I think. I do too, and you know he made some nice touch. There's some nice touch on those passes to Jeff Smith when he scored those two touchdowns. You know, Eric. What you know, we're talking about the weapons we saw on offense. Let's talk about Jeff Smith. You know, here's a kid just months ago was the starting quarterback for BC, and it's hard to imagine a guy going and changing a position and being so effective immediately. He looks like a wide receiver. He plays like a wide receiver who's been playing that for a while. And I know he played that in high school, but it, it's pretty, you have to say it's pretty amazing how quickly he's adjusted to his change in position. Yeah. You know, I gotta, I gotta admit, um, Adazio had me on, on that one because he, he was talking during summer camp about Jeff Smith being out. And I, I I'm sitting there reading those quotes and being like, who the hell cares that Jeff Smith is out? You know, he's a converted quarterback to wide receiver. Like, is he that big of a deal to pass a game? But, I mean, after watching him, he, he definitely is a player. So, I guess Adazia knew what he was talking about. And I continue to like what I see from um, Tommy Sweeney. You know, he, he's a very reliable guy um, on the field at tight end, one, one of BC's better pass-catching tight end since, God, I don't know, maybe Chris Pantelli. And um, uh, what, what did you think of uh, Charlie Call- Callanan? He, uh, I don't know, in my mind, he looks like he's kind of that guy who can go up and make a big catch for you on third down over the middle or a little bit down the field. What are your thoughts about him? Has he impressed you so far this year? Absolutely. You know, what What I like about Charlie, Charlie Callanan, that, you know, he, he brings a different set of skills than I think Jeff Smith is. Jeff Smith, that He's that blazer that goes on the side, and he can he can beat you know even the the, the fastest ACC corners. Charlie Callan is huge. He's that he's six three six four. But what really surprises me about Callan and, and really has impressed me this year is his hands. I, I you know there were some games last year at the very beginning where he had some passes where he wasn't able to get his. I mean, it might have been two years ago now. I'm thinking of it where he wasn't able to get his feet down in bounds, but he still was able to get his hands on the ball. But I think he's really done a really nice job of really um, improving his hands and getting himself to be a, 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 a pretty uh, consistent wide, wide out for BC. And he's, he's legit. And I, I think, you know, as much as I complain that they run the ball too much, I think BC has now three, at least three good wide receivers in the tight end, as you're going to see, as we've seen in years. And it's going to be up to Adazio and Loeffler to decide how they're going to use them because you, you have the weapons and I, I'm going to go, I'm going to harp back onto how they're going to use it. They got to, they got to incorporate that play action more often because the, it, when defenses are stacking the box, that's the best way to keep them honest to really throw them off with the, with the play action pass. Yeah. And um, you know, the, I definitely would like to see some more play action, especially on first down. And uh, even a little bit more rollout stuff from uh, Patrick Tolles. I think he is he is a legitimate weapon to um, put out on the edge and give him the option to run or pass. You know, especially on on third downs and you know medium range, five six yards. So yeah, to your point, I I love to see uh, see them keep it up with the play action and maybe even add a little bit more. Um, and you know, there is too. There is such a thing too as um, the passing game setting up the running game. So um, 
I, I, I think I think the pa- pa- passing game and the passes could help the running attack. All right, we only have a couple minutes before our guest uh, joins us, so let's turn on to the other side of the ball, which was lights out. That defense was on fire on Saturday. We had negative 23 rushing yards for UMass, the second most in BC history, Uh, the most since um, they held Maryland to negative seven yards in 2007 or eight. I think it was 2008. Um, They had eight sacks tied for uh, for the school record. What impressed you most about the defense on Saturday against UMass? Um, what impressed me is that they could just go out and just dominate a game like that. Now, UMass's offense isn't anything great. It's not probably not even as good as it has been in prior years. But um, I think after the Georgia Tech game, I think people knew this defense was pretty good. But, I mean, I at least had hesitations whether it was as good as last year's defense, you know, including the coaching staff. Um, I had – I had some doubts whether the defense could go out and just dominate a game or if, you know, they'd be pretty impressive against UMass, maybe holding the 10, 14 points. But like you said, they were lights out. They smashed UMass. I, I mean, I I felt like I was watching, like, one of those bad high school mismatches where you just feel bad for the other teams because, you know, they just have no chance of moving the ball. And that's what it felt like like against uh, UMass and I, I don't know about you, but I, I was even impressed with some of the, you know, I guess call them second-string guys BC was putting on the field, you know, non-starters like Zach Allen, guys like that who rolled in and just dominated without missing a beat. So uh, um, that I, I was impressed by that. And what are your thoughts on the defense from last weekend? Yeah, one last thought. We I have to we have our guests on hold, so we'll get to that in a second. You, you're right. The I was writing a post for. Um, one of the other Virginia tech uh, papers the other day and uh, about BC's defense. And one of the things that I, that I enjoy the most is the amount of depth they have. And you were saying that with Zach Allen, Wyatt Ray, uh, Kevin Kavalik and, um, and Harold uh, Landry, they have four defensive ends that could be starters at any point. And they just, and they can just keep rolling out different ones at different points, you know, to play the, to their strengths or to give breathers and that keeps a really dominant defense fresh. And I think that's what's exciting. It's not just one guy out there making plays. It's all of them. And it's guys that are, you know, you know, backups on the bench that are making plays. You're seeing, you know, linebackers like Ty Schwab laying the wood out there. It's impressive. So, anyways, we have to change gears here. Um, on our phone, we have um, – Roy Hatfield, manager, managing editor of GobblerCountry.com, SB Nation's Virginia Tech blog. You can follow him at GobblerCountry on Twitter. Roy, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Roy, so we're, we're looking forward to um, a game on Saturday. Um, it's going to be a, a – it should be a pretty good game. So let's, let's – let's talk a little bit about Virginia tech. I think a lot of BC fans are going to want to know a little bit about what the changes have been since last year. You know, Frank Beamer retired, Um, you know, BC fans are used to seeing him around. He's been probably one of my favorite coaches to watch. Um, What is going to be the big differences we're going to notice between in styles between Justin Fuentes and, and Frank Beamer. Well, the first thing you're going to really notice is the, the change in tempo offensively. Uh, you guys, of course, uh, hired Scott Leffler 
who, who ran our offense the past couple of years down here in Blacksburg. Uh, but what stands out is you're going to see a lot more snaps. Uh, you know, one of Tim, uh, uh, Fuente's big big kind of cornerstones of his philosophy is, is fast when you need to be fast. And uh, we saw that against Liberty, and we also saw it at the Battle of Bristol last weekend against the Vols. Uh, that that game saw us uh, take almost take over 90 plays on offense, which you you wouldn't see during the Beamer era. Uh, so that's your primary defense uh, or your primary difference. The the other the other thing, I mean, the, the other pieces are still in place. You know, you've got Bud Foster leading that defense. Uh, we have a great secondary, uh, but but offensively is where you're going to see the biggest difference Saturday. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the offense, that sounds very different. I mean, we're many of us are used to that, you know, a very similar style of offense that what we're seeing at BC now, where it's that, you know, methodical, slower uh, style offense. Talk about your, your quarterback, Gerard Evans. He seems to be kind of what I envision when I think of that quintessential mobile Virginia Tech quarterback. Can you tell me a little bit about what makes him dangerous and what you've seen out of him so far this year as your starter? Yeah, he's he's a kid. He's he was a, he was a four star. Uh, he was actually the highest rated JUCO uh, quarterback coming out of that that sixteen class. Uh, he threw for something just ridiculous. I mean, it, it's against junior college competition, but he had something crazy like you know forty touchdowns in in in, in a season or something. You know, just ridiculous numbers. Uh, to watch him play, he's a big kid. He's six four. He's two twenty, but he's nimble. He's real shifty. He made a couple great reads. Uh, against the volunteers on Saturday. Uh, we like to do a lot of different things with Evans. He has an absolute rifle for a right arm, uh, but he's also very good on the option. Uh, we've been doing something pretty interesting, which to look out for on Saturday. We're actually using Bucky Hodges in the option game. Uh, and that and, and Hodges, as you know, six seven, uh, can run. He's a, he's a matchup nightmare. He actually has been moved uh, from tight end to wide receiver uh, which left a lot of us to cover the Hokies kind of scratching our heads because Hodges had such a huge year last year tied in for us. Uh, but yeah, to right. get him out there in space, I mean, it's it's un, it's un, it's like basically, uh, you know, like a poor man's Gronk. He's that type of athlete. Wow. And, and, and to line him out there with Isaiah Ford, who might be one of the best uh, wide receivers in the ACC, you're going to have quite the, uh, the pairing out there in terms of wideouts. Yeah, Ford will probably – own just about every receiving record when he leaves. Uh, he's, uh, believe it or not, uh, Ford is the first 1,000-yard receiver in Virginia Tech history last year. Uh, he was first team All-ACC uh, last year. He was preseason All-ACC this year. Uh, the, the, the one concern that I did have watching uh, or being at the game Saturday in, in Bristol uh, was he kind of got forgotten a little bit about in the second half. Uh, and when you have a weapon like that, you really need to use them as much as you can. You know, we're talking uh, with Roy Hatfield, managing editor of GobblerCountry.com, SB Nation's Virginia Tech blog. You can follow him at Gobbler Country on Twitter. Let's talk a little bit about the Battle of Bristol. I, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was at the BC game. But, you know, I kind of lo- looked at, you know, what happened. And it seemed like turnovers were huge for Virginia Tech. And it seems to be a problem the last couple games. What have you noticed? What is, what's going on that's caused so many turnovers for the Hokies? Yeah, I mean, that was the difference in the ball game. If you kind of break down the numbers in the, in the matchup with the Vols, I mean, we outgamed them. We had more time of possession. Uh, you know, we, we, we pretty much held Dobbs in check. I mean, he only threw for 91 yards. I mean, he did run for 100. 
but you know our our leading rusher ran for over a hundred over a buck twenty. Uh, the ball security is very, very concerning for the Hokies right now. We've had nine turnovers in two ball games, and 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 Fuente spoke about that in his presser yesterday. He said, "Hey, I put that on me. You know, that's that's you know that's something I need to fix." Uh, and and you want to talk about just completely killing the momentum? We were up fourteen nothing. We had Tennessee on the ropes. Uh, the game was itself was incredible. Um, One hundred fifty six thousand fans. Uh, you know, Vols, Hokies. The, the city of Bristol did such an amazing job. Uh, you know, everything from the downtown is pretty much a ball game type atmosphere. They had closed off State Street, which is the primary thoroughfare in downtown Bristol, and every single shop window had something to do with Tennessee or Virginia Tech, and everything that they did was first class. I had the opportunity to be on the field before the game, and it, 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 t- it took my breath away. Uh, just to just to look around and see what a spectacle that game was. Uh, I sure wish the outcome would have been different, but wow! I mean, I'll, probably one of the most unforgettable experiences that I've ever been a part of. It was just such a great job done by the city and in both the schools. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in with a question. Um, you know, um, obviously BC now has Virginia Tech's old offensive coordinator Scott Loeffler. Uh, it seemed like when BC hired Loeffler, uh, the Virginia Tech fans is kind of a sign of relief thing, like uh, and, and like uh, uh, good luck with that guy. What was kind of the fallout with Virginia Tech fans and Loeffler? You know, why maybe you know, didn't Lefty, they really like him? You know, that's a great question. You know, Lefty, believe it or not, we averaged 31 points a game last year. You know, that's a seven-point increase over, over 14. Uh, you say that's progress. And for whatever reason, I have I'm still trying to uh, you know wrap my head around the the, the venom uh, that was in the fan base uh, surrounding Leffler. The, the the thing that I look at, I mean, Leffler got dealt a very bad hand when Brewer went down against the Buckeyes. Uh, so then he's got a quarterback in Brendan Motley, uh, you know, who is not known for his passing game. He never had a season in high school where he threw for over a thousand yards. So all the plans and all the playbook and all the scheme you think you're going to have Michael Brewer for the majority, if not all the season, goes away very quickly. And I thought Lefty did an an okay job of of, of trying to rebound and make the offense go with Motley at the helm. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, the results speak for themselves. And and you're right, there are a lot of Hokies dancing on the left for Gray as you pulled out of Blacksburg. All right, Roy Hatfield, managing editor of GobblerCountry.com. You can follow him at GobblerCountry. One last question. We're looking BC, Virginia Tech this weekend. Um, what is your prediction? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I got some bad news for the Eagles out there listening. I think that the Hokies <laughs> come back in a big way. I, I think if this game was in Chestnut Hill, you might see a little bit closer ball game, but I think that uh, – uh, everything that we've seen coming out of practice this week, I think the Hokies are super motivated and, and somewhat happy to get into the regular type frame of, of just playing some ACC competition away from the battle at Bristol, which, which of course had so much hoopla surrounding it. And, and I look for the Hokies to, to, to win something in the neighborhood of 38 to 14, a couple score game, maybe 14 to 20 point win for the Hokies. I think we have too much speed on the outside. I do love your defense. Uh, but I think we just have too many weapons, and if we can simply protect the football, it shouldn't be shouldn't be very close. Wow. Well, I, I have to say, and I'll make my predictions later. I'm I'm also predicting Virginia Tech to win, but 
Um, I, I think it'll be a little closer than that. Well, uh, enjoy the game um, and have a good rest of your season. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, good, good luck this weekend, guys, and uh, go Eagles. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Thank you. So, Eric, here we are. Wow. Predicting BC's defense is going to let up 38 points. I don't know about that. What do you think? Um, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's a pretty bold prediction. Uh, I doubt you better hope that doesn't happen because people will be calling for his head on Monday morning if they go down there and lose 38-14. to 14. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to get out of hand like that. I I, I think uh, I saw the spread. Actually, the Vegas spread opened at eight, and it's down to six, six and a half. So there's actually a lot of money coming in on BC. Um, I think I think BC keeps it close, and um, I, I have them losing by a field goal to Virginia Tech. Um, but I, it's it's pretty tough to blow out BC like that. I mean, the, the way the Adazio coaches with uh, running game and grinding out possessions and the clock. And then you combine that with how turnover prone Virginia Tech is, which really fits right into the BC defense wheelhouse. I mean, I, I'd be shocked if Virginia Tech won this by, say, more than two touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that prediction is a little bit aggressive. How about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I was just going to say the same thing. The, the way the BC's offense runs, unless you're an elite, you know, up-tempo offense, something like Clemson or, you know, Florida State in their heyday, you're not going to be putting up over 30 points against this. You're not even going to get enough possessions to do that because BC is going to stop you a bunch of times. I just don't see them scoring that many points. That being said, I still don't think – I think BC is going to lose probably close to what you said. I I think 7 to 10 points is probably what they're going to end up losing by. Um, I I think Virginia Tech's defense is going to frustrate BC – um, I'm a little worried about turnovers. Um, what, some of the things that I've seen out of Toll so far, um, that that interception he threw against UMass, he made a really poor read on. And I worry about him making those sort of choices again against a good defense like Virginia Tech. Um, and, it, you know, if Adazio goes back to smashing uh, Hilleman back into, you know, a nine-man front over and over again, it's going to be a long game for BC. They're not going to be able to move the ball. So, Mike, I had a question for you, Eric. Uh, you know, I was thinking about what BC's offense is looking like, okay? So, we had the first game, Georgia Tech, and I could understand why BC did not throw the ball as much. It was raining out. It was Toll's first game with BC against a live opponent. You know, it was on the road after a long flight. You know, so maybe he was a little bit more hesitant to use some of the passes there. Then you go against UMass, and again, he may not want to show some of those you know, wrinkle plays that he has, whether it's some, some gadget plays or, or different types of passes. Um, and we saw some, but we did see some more passes and we saw some more, um, you know, some passes, uh, some, you know, aggressive play calling there from BC that we weren't seeing against Georgia Tech. Do you think the third game we're going to see even more of that? I'm not saying that we're going to see Adazio all of a sudden become Chip Kelly and we're running a no huddle offense, but do you think we might see the offense, you know, do a little bit more than we saw against UMass. I think there's certainly potential for that. Um, on the one hand, I do think Adazio is, you know, hiding some plays and some weapons. Like, I'm shocked that um, the running back, Davon Jones, hasn't played um, more this year. Like, 
how he looked in in summer camp. Like I thought he'd be fighting Miles Willis for that second spot and maybe overtake him by the end of the year. Um, so I think I really think he kept he kept him out to uh, kind of keep it so there's no film on this guy when they roll him on the field. Um, but um, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I think Adazio was a pretty conservative coach and. That's what kind of scares me in this game because uh, Virginia Tech's coach Fuentes is a super aggressive coach, takes chances all the time, and historically, Adavio doesn't usually fare too well against coaches like that that are willing to go for it on fourth down a lot and um, just have really aggressive play calling. So that's the one part of this game um, that scares me a little bit. I'd be interested what you think. Um, you know, you did talk about how the passing game's kind of been ramping up here. Do you see it ramping up again for Virginia Tech or kind of staying what you saw against UMass? What are you kind of foreseeing for this game? You know, I'm not I'm not expecting them to, to launch the ball down the field. But what I do think, you know, we keep going back to that pa- the, the play action. And I think Loeffler and Adazio are going to see that as something that they can utilize more often. And you mentioned earlier Tommy Sweeney. He's a guy that I think he had one catch last game. And I think he's someone that needs to get more touches. He's a, he's a very valuable wide receiver. He's a, got good hands. And he's that type of tight end that you can spring out on a play-action pass. Um, I think you'll see a little bit more out of him. Um, and I would love to see them, you know, use Miles Willis or Davon Jones more in that offense. I think, you know, I, I love Hilleman. And if they're going to use play action, that's when he's going to become more effective. But right now it's not working. And, you know, he's, he's had a run here or there, but it's mostly two yards and a cloud of dust. Um, I, I think, I think. Yeah. What remi- get- you know what it, it reminds, it reminds me a little bit of um, Andre Williams, how he kind of, especially his first few years of his career, he really struggled. Um, and it's because, Sometimes he just couldn't quite hit the hole fast enough. Like the line wasn't keeping it open just long enough for him to be able to get through it. Um, and I kind of feel like I'm seeing that a little bit with Hillman right now. It's like if if he had a little bit to room, a little bit of room to run, he's great. A la that run against Georgia Tech, which he, you know, partly made on his own. But yeah, to your point, he's just not being able to hit the hole hole fast enough right now. Yeah, you know, final thoughts. Let's look at, uh, you know, the one piece of BC's game that we haven't talked about that I think is pretty important is special teams. You know, it started off in typical BC fashion last game with Noel having his extra point blocked, which made me want to vomit all over my seat. Um, But then after that, he made some, he made two really nice kicks. Um, And I know the Heights uh, had a really nice article about how he's going to have, you know, he's in the midst of a, of a renaissance of, you know, reinventing his career and coming back to where he's, you know, a a valuable player for BC. You know, do you think he's going to be, I I know Adazio was saying that Colton Lichtenberg is out with injuries last week. He's back this week. Um, Do you think Noel will ever be a reliable uh, field goal kicker or is he going to be someone that we're going to hold our breath every time he lines up to kick a field goal? I mean, this that's tough to say, but this weekend to be really telling of it. Um, Adazio did mention um, Colton is back, but he also, without being asked about Noel, he, he was asked directly uh, if Colton was back from his injury, and he said yes, and then he threw in that, but something effective, uh, 
Noel was on a roll last weekend or Noel looked really good last weekend, kind of insinuating maybe that um, Noel will hold on to the job. I mean, I was I was shocked more than anyone that he uh, missed that extra point and then came out and booted those two field goals and an extra point. Like, I thought he was done forever as a kicker after he missed that extra point. I'm like, no way this guy bounces back from that. Like, he's mentally going to be too fragile. And, hey, uh, this guy's got some balls of steals to – bounce back from that so we'll see this weekend uh it's a little bit different kicking against umass and gillette than uh going down to blacksburg and making a big kick down there i'd say but on a side note i, I am a little happy that frank beamer is gone because i don't i'm a little sick of watching virginia tech for years and hearing the announcers say year after year how great the Hokies are on special teams and they'd say it like no matter how good or bad the Hokies actually were that year on special teams is kind of humorous after a while. It's like the announcer's like a character of themselves just repeating it all the time. Yeah, Beamer Ball. Well, we will definitely miss Beamer Ball. Um, all right, we're 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 up against it. We're out of time. So the last piece of our, our show, let's, you know, we kind of alluded to our predictions earlier. So let's give our official predictions for the week. Uh, Virginia Tech at BC, uh, BC at Virginia Tech this weekend. Um, I think it's a 3 o'clock start, if I remember correctly. Um what do we have for predictions? Eric, why don't you go first? I have Virginia Tech beating BC 17-13. to 13. How about you? Oh, man, you're very close to what I have. I have Virginia Tech beating BC 17-10, to 10, and I'll have Noel oh. kicking a field goal in there. So uh, <laughs> that's our predictions for the week. Next week, we get excited for Wagner football. Woo. Uh, Can't wait. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be – I'm going to be uh, – scouring the internet to see if anyone actually covers that football team to see if we can get them on the show. Otherwise, maybe yeah, we I was going to say, good luck tracking that guy down. <laughs> As I was saying, I was looking at um, who they played this year. They've played St. Anselm's and uh, some other team I've never heard of. And uh, they got, they won both of them. So they're two and zero against some great opponents, but we'll, we'll look into that after our game on Saturday. So we will um, be posting this up on uh iTunes, share this with your BC friends. Um, it's a great listen. To, uh, hopefully our show's worth listening to before you're uh, watching the game on Saturday or you need something for your, um, your commute to work. So uh, we're going to sign off. This is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at BC Hysteria. On the other line is Eric Hostis. You can follow him at EA Hostis on Twitter. Uh, you know, uh, to follow up, this is BC Interruption Radio. Uh, We'll be back next week with another exciting show. So go Eagles.